Welcome to the Greater Little Zion Baptist Church. We celebrate your presence here today with us. Enjoy the worship service as you sit back and listen to the singing as it gives inspiration to your soul and then the preaching of the word of God as it gives instruction to your soul. Be blessed as God has a word for you today. Thank you so much for joining us for our Sunday service. We pray that you had an amazing Thanksgiving and here's our announcements for the week. 
Come out and join us on Wednesday night for our prayer meeting at 6 p.m. and our virtual adult Bible study at 7.30 p.m. On the weekends, we'll be having our Sunday school sessions for our youth and young adults, Saturday at 10 a.m. and our adult Sunday school at 8.30 a.m. on Sunday. Thank you so much for joining us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and make sure to check out our YouTube page for all of our previous sermons. We hope and pray that your Thanksgiving this year was a blessed one, and we thank you for continuing to bless us and to pray for us in this season. Have a great Sunday, y'all.
Good morning, great little Zion. This is the day that God has granted us, this post-Thanksgiving day of celebration, Sunday morning where we come together to worship in spirit and in truth via virtual. I hope you've had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I am certain that you had a great celebratory moment in which the family gathered around and that you remembered to be thankful and not be like the cupbearer of Genesis 39 and 40 who forgot to thank Joseph for how he had blessed his life. Today we're going to come to the final sermon in our series entitled Living Out Loud Life According to the Psalms. We're going to return to Psalm 23 and we're going to read verses 4 through 6. And this will be part two of our sermon that we started last Sunday entitled The Content Life. The Content Life. Psalms 23, beginning in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou doest prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou hast anointed my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, subject title, The Content life part two so again last week I attempted to wrestle with the production of Paul's mentality of speaking with such an emphatic statement as he wrote to the Philippian Christians I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself says Paul I can handle having much or having little either condition it's good to me, it's good for me, because God is the source of my joy. Speaking from the experience of having experienced both conditions, says Paul, yet he chose to be happy. That's revelatory to me. He made the decision that no matter what condition that I find myself, I have decided that I'm going to be happy. His contentment was not conditional, but simply a choice of recognizing that all material things are merely temporal and they only hold value for a short time. Even his contribution, its contribution to my life and to one's life, even though it may bring happiness, it's only a temporal happiness because it quickly diminishes merely because its value is determined by somebody else other persons who may feel that it's no longer worth what it's worth to you but I sense that Paul is saying since I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me who loves me who cares for me who comforts me, who dries away my tears, who lifts my heavy burdens, who forgives my sins, who keeps on giving me another chance, who supplies all of my needs, who keeps picking me up when I fall down. That's on somebody's street right there. Paul says, since God continues to do all of that, I'll just stay content knowing that in whatever circumstance I am encountering, God will be right there. With that kind of attitude, which was developed through the experience of tribulations, read Paul's story, particularly his journey through the book of Acts, those tribulations taught Paul something about how God can bring contentment in the moment of tribulation since those tribulation experiences led him to the exposure of perseverance because God taught him how to push on and push forward in the midst of being confronted by evil and rejection. And since Paul was a walking, living epistle, one of hope, 
to all who would witness his life. That's what he tells the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 3, 2. I'm a living epistle. You are a living epistle. We are living epistles because God used us as a billboard to display what happens when grace and mercy are at work in your life. What happens when forgiveness has saturated your soul? What happens when you recognize from whom all blessings flow? Paul says, we are walking, living testimonies, physical letters that can be read by those who need to know how do I get contentment. We too can say with Paul, I have learned in whatever condition I am in to be content. The writer of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, says it this way. Be content with what you have. Paul goes on later to tell young Timothy this word. He says in him by way of advice, there is much gain in godliness with contentment. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out. But then he says, but if you have food and clothing, be content. In other words, if you are sitting here today in this COVID context and you got plenty of food, you got decent clothing, clothing, you got a house to stay in, some place to call home, you have transportation, you got folk around you who love you, be content that you have been blessed in a mighty way and be happy in the context of this pandemic. Then David came along and drew our attention to the fact of how the content life is lived through the developing stages of seeing God as the shepherd of your life. We introduced to that in Psalm 23 because David does not use the word contentment, but the word in its spirit is lived out loud in Psalm 23. I'm convinced that David knew about this idea, this concept, this experience of contentment, and he provides these persuasive statements that says to us, I know what it means to live a content life. In Psalm 16, verse 8 through 11, he says this in by way of proclamation. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh dwells in security. You make known to me the paths of life and in your presence, God. There is the fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Listen to David. David is crying out, I know what contentment is because I found it in the hand and the being of God as the shepherd of my life. Psalm 94, verse 19. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolation, God, cheers my soul. Does anybody know what David's talking about there? When the cares are the, of the world are many, when the burdens are heavy and the trials are heavy, the tribulations are coming, ongoing, you are walking through constant challenges, yet God brings in his consolation cheering to your soul. David says, that's what I'm talking about, being content. He says also in Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord is, you know this, my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's contentment. That's knowing not only in whom you believe, but knowing the power of the one to whom you believe. And then in Psalm 46, verse 1, David says it this way, God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help, present help in the time of trouble. You, you get the picture. David knew about 
the content life as well. And so in Psalm 23, last week I tried to share with you three things that David does. He exposes his exposition of how contentment affected his life and how you and I can learn and can gain what this content life is. David says, I suggest to you that you begin confessing that, number one, I need redirecting. He says that I need redirecting, which is the reason why in verse 1 of Psalm 23, clause A, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, he's saying if you recognize that your life is going in the wrong direction and you notice that you are not actually getting to the destinations to which your heart's desire and you know you should be at, you need to ask God to redirect your life that you can find some contentment in this journey. The Lord is my shepherd. Ask God, says David, to be the shepherd over your life's directions and he'll do it listen to what David said in verse 2 and 3 verse 2 clause B he says he leads me beside the green pastures or into green pastures the lust of provision and he leads me beside the still waters where there's peace all because as the shepherd he leads his sheep. And he does that, says David in verse 20, Psalm 23, verse 3a, he does that for his name's sake. God has a stake in making sure that you are blessed in a very mighty way. So David says you need to talk to God about redirecting your life so that you can get to contentment. Secondly, he says you need satisfaction and solace from God peace David says I'm content verse 2 clause a in verse 1 and verse 2 listen to what he says I'm content I shall not want he makes me to lie down in green pastures he leads me beside the quiet waters I don't have a want David says, I'm content in the provision of God because all that I need keeps happening for me every single day. God keeps providing all of my needs. Listen to what he says. I'm fed. I'm housed. I'm employed. I have transportation. I have some of the privileges of life. I'm satisfied with God. Is that, can you say that this morning? You have to be able to say that if you want contentment. I, I, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm fed. My family is fed. I'm housed. We are protected. I'm employed. You know how many people who are not employed today? How many people who have lost their shelter because of this pandemic, their job because of this pandemic, who are struggling and can't find contentment because they can't have the basic needs of their journey met every day. David raises the stake for us to be satisfied <clears throat> with what God provides and to find peace in the midst of where you are. He says that I'm satisfied that God has granted me some of the privileges of life and we got those. We've got some privilege. We've got more than enough. And David says, be thankful, celebrate, be satisfied. We have to escape the trap of the culture that demands more and more. You can only be satisfied by getting more and more. You can only be content by having more and more. That's not true. It's not true at all. <laughs> If you learn to appreciate what you have, and there's nothing wrong with attaining more, but the spirit of just getting it just to get more satisfaction, it will lead you down a destructive path. And says David, I'm happy. I'm happy because I've got peace in God because God lets me graze in his plush provision 
and he lets me drink from the fresh springs of life. I'm content. And then thirdly, we said, David said, to live this content life, you need restoration and renewal. Verse three, he renews and restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I like what the Message Bible says, the Eugene Peterson version says about verse 3. He lets me catch my breath. Man, that's powerful because he permits me in the midst of some very trying adverse moments when life throws me it's multiple adversities, God allows me to catch my breath so that I can renew my strength and can be restored back to a holistic being of mind, body, and spirit. That's the gratefulness of God's provision to restore and renew your soul. Now in verses 4 through 6, let me share with you three more points that David lifts in this psalm regarding the content life and then I'm done. To have this content life, he says, again, he moves to verse 4. And he says, I'm content because I have experienced, first point, the protection and the comfort of God. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David points to a moment when contentment generally escapes us. Fear attempts to take charge and crush our spirit of hope. You're not satisfied, nor relax. Peace eludes your life. And that might be where you are right now. So you're in that space of darkness and you may not can feel contentment, somehow it keeps eluding you because fear is trying to win that battle. So you're not satisfied, nor can you relax, but David says we need protection in so many of life's circumstances. And David is identifying a true crisis. Listen to what he says, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Walking through the valley of darkness is what he's really saying. That's the way the word is translated, that phrase, the valley of the shadow of death. That's what he means. I'm walking in a dark space. And since death is the worst circumstance that this verse could address, arguably David is saying, I'm mentioning death, but I'm not limiting my circumstances to death. Because the key word in all of this is the word shadow. Shadow. It's best seen when you look into the history of the word, the Judean mountains, the dangerous courses of the Judean life as they move through the hills of the Judean, the hillside of the Judean country, which is broken up by very narrow and dangerous ravines that are difficult to both ascend and descend. They are dark and they are gloomy and they have caves along their way which are abiding places for wild beasts and robbers. You can feel that as you go back to the Gospel of Luke and you think about the story of what we call the Good Samaritan who finds this man who were coming through those Judean hills and who was jumped and robbed, left for dead. That's the kind of danger in which robbers are situated in wild beasts. That's the kind of danger that David is alluding to. The valley is perhaps not only a specific experience, but also an image of life-threatening experiences, difficult spaces and places we encounter. This phrase, the shadow of death, 
is difficult to interpret because it's two words sort of brought together to make as one. It means to be dark, to grow dark, and death. But the word describes the terrors that are not only in the hills, but that are also in the valleys. But the terrors could be defined as the experiential traumas that we encounter daily. The trauma of cancer, the trauma of home eviction, the trauma of unemployment, the trauma of inequality in health care, the, tra the trauma of loan qualifications, the trauma of gentrification, the trauma of diverse discrimination, the trauma of education disparities, the trauma of COVID-19 ramifications, the trauma of no access to medical care, the trauma of watching only the rich having access because they can afford to while you suffer or die the death in the valley as David suggests. These are shadows, not always death, but shadows that affect my life. And as a result, they call for, says David, some protection and comfort. And David said, when we are faced with these kinds of shadow of death moments, I'm content that God provides the protection and the comfort so I won't be afraid because he is right there with me. That, that's what he says in clause B of verse 4. I will not fear for you are with me. What also helps him is that the shepherd possesses two items with him. He possesses the rod to fend off wild animals. And he possesses the staff to provide comfort that reaches out and keeps the sheep together. And David says, when you have contentment, when you know a content life, your shepherd gives you a rod of comfort, the staff of comfort. And your shepherd uses the rod to fend off the wild animals who's trying to destroy you. So David says, you need the comfort, the provision, the protection and comfort. But he also says, when you want contentment, you need to experience the provision and the anointing. See what he says in verse 5? He says, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. The crisis has passed. The threat has been handled by the shepherd who weird, willed his rod and his staff. And now it's time to celebrate. But the shepherd also carries a pouch that has a healing salve to anoint my wounds sustained during the battle. Something may keep you from experiencing what you know to be not sorrow, but joy. And that something is drawing on you to the point where it won't release its grip unless you make that decision that you are going to embrace the shepherd's provision to help you release that grip and then replace it with a spread table of provision. And God puts everything you need on that spread table in the presence of your enemies. So if the healing involves joy, there's joy. Peace, there's peace. Healing of the body, there's healing. Healing of the wounds, there's, there's ears. There, there's the anointing oil to do that. Encouragement, it's on the table. God spreads the table so that whatever you need, that provision is provided for and that fresh anointing is given to you.
Sometimes we need that anointing afresh. Read the book of Acts and you'll notice that they had a constant refilling of the spirit. We need that from time to time because life can drain you. And when it drains the inspiration out of you, you need to be anointed, refilled again. And the great thing is that God does it right before the enemies who are determined that they will destroy you are determined that you will not see the brightness of a new day again. And God has other plans. Remember Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that I have for you. There it is right there. David says I'm content because he anoints my head with oil and then he lets my cup overflow. The cup also is a representation of how the shepherd on the journey, when he cannot find the still waters, he has a way, or he could find them, but they're not quite accessible by the sheep. He has a cup to go down and get water and come back and feed the sheep one by one. Wow. That's a powerful image to, success, to suggest how grateful we should be that we have a shepherd who feeds us one by one. And David says, I'm satisfied. I'm content that God gives me all I need. God never wants us to be stuck in our pain. That's a life of discontent. But instead, as the shepherd, he wants to move us from trouble to triumphant. He wants to move us from hardship to hallelujah. He wants to move us from pain to praise. That's a content experiencing life. And then finally, David says, I have a content life because I experience support and hope. Look what he says in verse 6. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Nothing speaks louder about support and hope than when God uses people to gather around you and I in those shadow of death moments when we need to see God. One such moment that I love to quote is in Acts 14 when Paul and Barnabas are in Lystra and Paul witnesses a man there who had been crippled from birth, never walked before. But this man yet listened to Paul as he's preaching. Paul managed to grasp his attention and as a result, says the Bible, Paul realized the man had faith to be healed. Read Acts 14.9. That man, in listening to the hope and the support that was provided by Paul in the preaching of the gospel, had the faith to be healed. And the Bible says Paul told that man to stand up and the man jumped up to his feet and started walking. What joy of providing support and hope to another person. Isn't that exciting? How when your life is in such a content space that you can help someone else get to that same kind of glorious experience to which you are encountering. It's a joy to be able to reach out and help people. I'm excited about this Thanksgiving season particularly last week when our church family who gathered together, who were able to hand out boxes to people who needed that help during this season because of various reasons they probably would not have had it yet. God opened the door, made a way, and we had volunteers who came to prepare those boxes and hand them out to families who could enjoy a great Thanksgiving meal. That's a blessing to be able to bless somebody else's life because you're content 
with your own. But there were those who came from another space, the folk who came from Antioch and Iconium, they came down and began to speak false words about Paul and persuaded the people. As a result, they rounded up Paul and took him out of town and stoned him. And says the Bible, they dragged him out and left him for dead. But watch how the shepherd used other sheep to provide support and hope to Paul while others presumed that he were dead. That's the joy of having brothers and sisters in the kingdom. When they think that you are dying or dead, God uses others to speak a word, to come by and say the right word at the right time, provide the right phone call, write the right message, write the right email, send you the right text, right when you most need it. You were at the brink of throwing in the towel or jumping off the cliff and here come God using someone to gather around you to restore your soul. It says the text in Acts chapter 14, the enemies presumed Paul to be dead, but the Bible says believers gathered around him. He got up and went back into town. <laughs> That's exciting because what God did was surrounded Paul with praying folk, believing folk, determined folk, faith folk, expecting folk. They came with support and they spiritually imparted hope into the battered, bruised body of Paul. That's, that's all we're trying to do today is provide in this content moment the kind of hope you need to get to this content perspective. And the Bible says that Paul got up, went back to town, and continued to do what he was doing because the enemy tried to stop his progress. And David says, when you know God and you are content in God's provision, God provides for you what you need, support and hope. Support by bringing around you and having you connected to the right people who can renew your life and help put you in the right perspective. Praying folk, believing folk, determined folk, faith folk, expecting folk. That's the kind of community you want to be around. And David says you've had these kind of believers who gathered around you in the moments you need this when life has stoned you and left you for dead. David says, goodness and mercy follows you because you refuse to not dwell in the house of the Lord. I'm living a content life, says David, because the Lord is my shepherd. And has taught me how to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in. That can be you today. If you would allow God. To work in the midst of your life. And be your shepherd. Your life will never be the same. Instead contentment. Will resonate in your soul. And you will be filled with joy. The content life from Psalm 23. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit and for the divine word and for Psalm 23 and for the life of David and for the life of the Apostle Paul, Philippians 4. Thank you for how they taught us that contentment is achievable. If we would but trust you as the chief shepherd, you will lead us in the path of righteousness for your name's sake. I'm not aware of everyone's circumstance, Lord, but I pray that you would move in the midst, that they would come to you with great expectation. As the writer of Hebrews says, we must come boldly before the throne of grace and believe that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Many of us are seeking contentment, Lord. Help us to live with content in whatever circumstance we have. 
We'll give you the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Our prayer is that this day is a new day for you and that as you move forward in Jesus' name, you may need to make that decision to trust Christ as Lord and your Savior and allow him to become the shepherd of your soul. If that's your wish, if that's your decision, we certainly encourage you to share with us that we might be able to rejoice with you and to reach our arms of celebration and joy out to you that you can become a part of this Zion family as well. We'd love to have you. We want to be your church. For those of us perhaps who are already believers but you are struggling in a moment of discontentment, read Psalm 23. Read Philippians 4 verse 11 through 13. Let God through the Holy Spirit minister to you to bring you to a space where he becomes the shepherd of your journey and contentment will work with you through the stages of progress. We give God praise that something is going to happen to someone's life. It'll never be the same from this day forward. We celebrate with you and thank you for being such great supporters of our ministry. Thank you so much for supporting us with your monetary supply. We give God praise for the tithes and offerings you give and you are the ones that make this broadcast possible every single week. And we give God glory for that. We encourage you to continue to support. And we want, to, of course, to always give you thanks because we don't want to be persons who are centering in ungratitude. And so we encourage you to continue to support as you can always have. And we pray that you'll continue to have a blessed, prosperous journey as the word of God has promised us. As we come to our close, again, I certainly hope that you have had a great, wonderful Thanksgiving holiday, and this day is only the post-celebration of that as well. But always remember, God loves you, and so do I. I want you to look forward to having a great expecting week in the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.